At Federal, we have products for every season and every pursuit. Our passionate and dedicated teams design, build, and deliver the world's best American-made ammunition, whether you're hunting, target shooting, or defending yourself and family. Our pride and hard work can be found in every box, ammo can, or bottle of ammunition. For us, it's always in season. It's federal season. Welcome to Federal Ammunition's podcast, It's Federal Season. I'm Jason Nash, Vice President of Marketing, along with Media Director Brian Kelvington and Dan Compton, Product Manager. It's our honor today to welcome Vincent Hancock, now a three-time Olympic gold medalist following his win in men's skeet at the Tokyo Games. Vinny, welcome and congratulations. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be here. Great to have you. So just a quick recap. We've done our research and you know, before we get into to questions about the experience for you, Vinny, um, Vincent made the men's skeet finals in a shoot-off and then bested the remaining five contenders, hitting 59 of 60 targets, setting an Olympic record. Hancock is the first shooter to ever win three gold medals in this event, adding to the ones you won in Beijing in 2008 and London in 2012. So Vinny, let's talk about the qualification rounds first. You were perfect through the first five and a half rounds, dropped a few targets, putting you in a six-way tie for fourth. What was your mindset at that time since, you know, three of the six would advance to the finals? Uh, it was just before it was a, a lot of anger going on <laughs> because, <laughs> and I had the thing sewed up. I, I was, I was leading the whole thing outright first place, had, working on a perfect score throughout qualification. And then you know, had some wind come up and kind of changed the perspective of things. And I was, you know, I'll admit it, I was extremely nervous, but I just told myself, okay, that the, the low house target's getting low. I need to you know, be a little bit more aggressive to be able to go down and get, and get that target. Well, when I did that, I changed a couple of things in my mechanics, which totally threw me off. And I was blocking myself off basically from being able to to move to the left and be able to get down to the target. And with that, I, I obviously I missed a few targets. And then um, I went from outright first place to to like you said, tied for fourth with five other people. And as I'm walking off the field, though, I don't know that I'm tied with anybody that I have a chance to get in the final. So I'm I'm walking off and I'm I'm livid because I'm saying to myself, I, I just lost the olympics in a half of a round hmm. and you know how to tell myself how in the world do you go from a perfect score to dropping three out of the last 14 shots like there's just how and so i sat down a little crossbar uh, on one of the overhangs uh back behind the field and i, I look up at, my, at one of the assistant coaches that's there and i'm like i can't believe i just gave away the olympics and he's like no you have a shoot off like you can there's still a chance and I'm like, there's like, there's no way. I knew the scores going into that last round. And I'm like, there's no way that many people drop targets. He's like, yes, everybody dropped targets. So you have a shoot off. So I've got about five minutes to figure this out. Because we walk from my my last round, I was last squad out. And we walk over to the shoot off field where we're going to have the shoot off to get into the final. I've got about five minutes to figure out my stuff. You know, what went wrong, what happened, how to correct it, all that stuff. 
slowly but surely it kind of started replaying in my head and said, okay, yep, that's exactly what it was. And I was like, all right, you know what? If I'm going to have a chance at winning this. I need to fix it right now. And so sometimes that can be kind of sketchy. <laughs> when I'm having to change what I had to change, sometimes I'll miss a couple targets before it gets right. But I'm like, you know what? If, I, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to get it figured out. I just need to break the targets. Thankfully, I had a horrible mount and a move on the first pair. But I got, I, I knew exactly what it was and I was able to kind of make these corrections, break the targets. And as soon as I did that, I was like, you know what? That's exactly what I was doing wrong the whole time that last round. And so now I can, I, now I can fix it. And as soon as I had that realization moment, I hit all the rest of my targets in, in that shoot off, winning it, and then often running in the finals too. That's awesome. What, Vinny, what makes a bad mount? For you, I mean, you say you had a horrible mount. Yeah, it, it's a combination of a few different things. So, in international skeet, we have uh, you know, a line on our vest that's basically at the top of our hip bone or the bottom of our elbow, and our gun has to start there. And then, when the target comes out, we have to mount into our shoulder, lock onto the target, engage it, and shoot it. And all of that happens within less than three quarters of a second. My splits are about from the time the target comes out of the house. Mounting the gun and pulling the trigger, it's between 0.6 and 0.7 seconds. And then my transition from the first target to the second target, which the gun's still on my shoulder, is less than half a second. Everything happens really quickly in my game. So to kind of lay out what is a, a bad mount, when I'm mounting that gun from the line on my vest, on just above my hip, and getting it set into my shoulder, I'm trying to get it to where it's squarely and surely fit into my shoulder and it comes up and meets my face and it provides me a good cheek weld. I don't have to move my head down and everything is lined up. So, because as you know, your, your eye is your reader sight and we want to have, make sure that all of those sites, even though we're not looking at it on a shotgun, all those sites are lined up perfectly because that's how you shoot straight. Well, for me, when I have a bad mount, typically I don't get the gun all the way up. And so it, it hangs a little bit shorter in, in its movement and a little bit lower down in my shoulder. So therefore I then have to move my head down, which changes the way that my eyes look out towards the targets. Cause now my eyes aren't up. They're actually, you know, pitched down and forward. So you have less, uh, less vision and less clarity. There's a lot of things that go on with that, but it also changes your point of impact because most of the time, even when you're pushing your head down, that because that gun is, say, half an inch low in your shoulder, it's now shooting that much more up at point of impact compared to what you're used to seeing. So that's how it kind of changes. And all those targets that I missed on that last round, I was shooting high and behind. Typically, if you get high in my score, you're also going to shoot behind because you're going to start occluding the target. But again, high on mine kind of is behind. Because with that target getting down, it's it's projecting downward and going to the uh, the low house is always going to the left. Uh, if you're not on the bottom front side of that, you're behind it. And that kind of lays out the issue that I was facing, that I just wasn't getting the gun all the way up in my shoulder. So, Vincent, I had a question about proper mechanics. That is there like a referee making sure that you follow the guidelines? Say like tennis, there's if you have a foot fault, is there somebody there that's watching to make sure you're mounting correctly? And if so, is there could you be called for a, a foul if that's what you want to determine? Uh, so not in, not as far as the mounting goes. We do have a referee that's there, 
uh, a jury member. And what he's watching for is is foot faults because we have a one meter by one meter pad. And we have a line that's kind of outlaying out on the outside of that. If we break that plane, then we get called for a foot fault. And then also he's checking our line on our vest to make sure that the bottom of the butt of our gun is breaking the plane of that line. And once we once we accomplish those things, then that's fine. But if we if we don't, then he stops us. You know, we get a we get a warning the first time, and then we go from there. But as far as getting into your shoulder, there's a lot of different ways that people mount the gun, and as long as you make an effort to mount the gun, that's all that matters. Vincent, it's Dan. So when you're going from the qualifications to the shoot off, and you said you had about five minutes, is it just uh, just going through the motions of the gun, or you're not able to take any practice shots? You just have to go through the mental exercise of correcting yourself. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it's all mental. Uh, you're not allowed to, we don't get any practice shots, period. Uh, we, we have at the beginning of the day, we get to see two targets. Uh, that, this is for a whole squad. So a whole squad of six, we don't individually get to see targets. The whole squad gets to see one high house and one low house. And we get to test fire our gun into the air, you know, one shot in each barrel, if you choose to make sure that the gun is properly functioning. But outside of that, that's all we get. You're, you're not ever going to get any type of practice whatsoever. So like if you go to a sporting place shoot, you can go to a five stand, get a little warm up round in. Yeah, we don't we don't get that. Um, that's definitely something that they want us to be as cold as you can possibly be going out there because it, you know, it changes your perspective on things, makes you a little bit more nervous and uh, makes things a little more difficult. Wow, that's uh, that's a lot of pressure considering they let basketball players practice their free throws before a game. I mean. That um, seems to not be completely fair, but it's the rules, right? You have to abide by those rules. Yep. And so, like, what I do to kind of uh, not necessarily manipulate what my feelings are, but to, to kind of get myself prepared is, yes, I do some visualization and some mental exercises, but I also will go to, we have a test, test mounting area. It's called a dry fire area. And so we can actually go and do some practice mounts, but it's not on a field. It's just typically like up against a wall or something like that to make sure that you're pointing the gun in a safe direction. And, uh, that's, you know, that's off to the side or in the back of the, of the shooting line. And so that, that's, I do that to kind of get my body moving and to get myself prepared, but I'm also also visualizing targets and visualizing just a perfect move each time I do that. And I probably do, I don't know, it's not many, probably 15, 20 mount, practice mounts. Before I go out there, it takes me, um, you know, maybe, maybe two minutes, and then I'm good to go. That's awesome. Well, so you you worked through, you made the adjustment, and then you get to the finals. Walk us through, you know, what happened in the finals. Uh, the finals were, the lighting was, was pretty difficult. Uh, I fought trying to find a good lens color and uh, trying to, to see what I could do to enhance the targets at all. Uh, thankfully, Pila sent me down uh, several different lenses and different colors to try, and I think I tried all of them trying to figure out you know, which one was going to be best. But I ended up just going back to the ones that I had been using the whole time, the ones that I, I use pretty much every day here. It's a, kind of like a an orange base with a little bit of brown, a little bit of red in it. And uh, up against the, the background that we were shooting in Tokyo, it was a green netting that had been sitting there for, I guess, a year and a half now. And it had faded really bad. So you have this faded green 
netting. Then you've got black poles that are holding it up. And then you've got a, a blue and white sky because the clouds were, were heavy then, but it was still super bright with the sun. And when you have those bright white clouds behind that green net, it totally mutes anything that's in front of it. So seeing the targets fly through, on the high side, you could see the orange because the way, it was also 4 o'clock in the afternoon, five, 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon when we were shooting. And so the the right side of the target was all shadow. It was like black. So it's black on essentially black because you have bright white clouds in the back behind the net and the net is faded, but with black tubing behind it holding it up. And then you have black targets. So it's like, it was really hard to see. <laughs> really, really hard to see. And you know, except for maybe one pair, which was the high three pair outside of that, pretty hard. Uh, wow. So going through it all, we, we're getting set up. I'm shooting in the fourth position. And I tell myself, okay, I'm, I'm going to take this one one pair at a time, yes. But I know that I need to shoot at, at very minimum a 19 out of 20. But I need to shoot a 20 out of 20 because my, my, bib, lower, my bib number is lower than those other guys. And if you have the lower bib number and you're tied on the same score and it's and they're making a cut, then whoever that, that bottom man is with the lowest bib number, you're out. So I'm like, okay, I cannot take the risk of missing targets and getting bibbed out by someone that has the same score as me. So I'm going to go for as perfect as I possibly can be. And once I shot the first pair, I was, I was pretty nervous, but thankfully I was really confident after coming off that shoot off. That's just 30 minutes prior. And because I had figured it out, I'm like, okay, I know what I got to do. And so we get in there, we shoot that first pair. I'm like, all right, that felt pretty good. I need to turn around and shoot this reverse pair. Well, the re reverse pair was a little bit finicky. The high house, it just, the angles seemed really weird there on the outgoing pairs. And so I shoot that, that reverse pair on three and I break it and I, I, like, I feel really good because I, I sync up with it good and get moving with it. I'm like, I broke it. I walked off the station and I just kind of smiled to myself and said, all right, we're good. Nice. I, I got this. And then just kind of cruised along. And uh, the, the one target that I missed in that final was, uh, it was the second target on the normal pair. So the high, high house first and then low house, that pair on four. And what happened with that target was it was black on black. That that target, the low house had been getting low. Well, it decided for whatever reason to stay really high that time. And on the top of the net, the the crossbar that runs all the way down the entire length of it that's holding up the net is it, it's it's the thickest part of it. It's all black. Well, the target stayed inside of that bar from my perspective the entire way. So I shot the high house, came back to shoot the low house, held it a little bit longer trying to find it. Thought I saw it, pulled the trigger, kept moving, took my gun down, kept looking, and then when it when it dinged off of the the fence that actually stops the targets from traveling, and I'm like, well, guess I missed it, and then just walked <laughs> off. But there was I knew there was nothing that I could do about that because I tried everything I could to see it, to to make an adjustment, and it was just one of those targets that was almost impossible to see. And so I just, I wasn't upset with myself and said, you know what, you're fine. Keep going. 
Awesome. So you, you were up against Denmark and Kuwait. How, how much do you pay attention to your competition as you're shooting? Or do you try to stay inside your own game? Uh, I mean, like I know what's going on around me. It's not really that I focus on it. Uh, I'm, I'm focused on doing what I need to do. But at the same time, I'm, I am, I'm not going to lie. And I'm, I'm sitting back here saying, okay, guys, y'all need to miss some more. Like, come on, y'all can miss a few. Give me a little space here. Because it was tight Noon for a while. Yeah, but then once they finally started missing targets and I kind of got I had a little a sigh of relief, then uh, then I knew it was it was mine. I mean, probably with with two passes left, I knew that I, I knew I had a medal. So that that made me feel a lot better. And then once we got into that last pass, I think I had two target lead going into it. And normally, not every time, but normally when I have that much of a lead. Uh, the the nerves tend to go away. I can focus a lot better, and you know, I can really get into to breaking targets really good. And thankfully, that happened again that time too. So I think I ended up winning by four over Jesper from Denmark. And yeah, I mean everything worked out better than I could have, have ever asked for. Although not gonna lie, when I say I do wish I hadn't shot a twenty two that round, but I think everything happens for a reason because if I hadn't done that. I probably wouldn't have shot as well in the final as I did because I needed to figure out that over the course of the entire time, I was getting more and more and more aggressive. And then it just all culminated in that last round uh, with that low target. And that started missing. So I needed to fix myself, but I didn't know that I was doing anything wrong until I missed. Well, Vincent, you'll be in the record books and all for as being a three-time Olympic champion. Um, for this uh, men's skeet. What does that mean to you? I mean, obviously, this is the third time you've won this medal now three times. What does that mean to you from a historical perspective? Uh, you know, I, I don't really know on that one. I've always tried to have the perspective that just because somebody's done something uh, or somebody says that somebody can't do something doesn't mean that it can't be done. And when I first got into this, people told me not to expect to to do uh, to to win multiple things you know right out because I was too young. And then it was, oh, you can't sustain this. You know, you you can't keep doing this. Well, what people don't realize is that nothing's impossible. It's just it just hasn't been done yet. And with that in mind, I know that yes, I'm the only one that has two Olympic golds in men's ski. And obviously now I'm the only one that has three Olympic golds, but that's not to say that there's not going to be somebody that comes along in the future and just totally wrecks every record that I've ever made. I expect that to happen. So what I'm doing is for now, I'm going to continue to compete. I'm going to continue to try to get better because the, the greater that I can make that distance between me and the next person, the less likely it is that somebody's going to be able to come back and beat it. It's not something that I, I'm, I'm trying to be, too prideful of or anything like that it's just for the fact of i i love doing this i love winning and it gives me motivation to keep going knowing that people constantly ask me they're like you look you've done everything multiple times you know what what are you still doing this for i'm doing it because i love doing it and because i love being out on the range and competing and you know seeing my friends from all over the world um, and, and going out and trying to win medals I, mean, I hate losing I love to win, but I truly hate losing. So if I can make myself better every day on a daily basis and go out there and try to compete and try to win more, 
then that's going to make me happy. That's what's been making me happy. But it's not just about going out and winning. It's about the legacy we leave behind. And I know that by winning these medals, it elevates my ability to be able to show off the good things about the shooting sports. And we've we've had after this Olympics, USA Shooting made a huge mark on on the, the shooting community, but also the sports community in general here in the United States. And for a time, we were only behind swimming in the number of medals won. And then obviously track and field caught up. And then uh, I think wrestling actually had a great, uh, great event, too, this year. So it's nice knowing that we got a lot of, of good uh, publicity. We were able to show the, the United States in, in lieu of everything that we've been going through here as a community in the United States, uh, referencing around guns and around uh, everything that, that has to do with the sport. We showed them what we're truly about. And I'm able to now take that platform and, and make it something that we can show everyone around the world that this is a super safe sport. It's the safest sport in the world. It, it's a lot of fun. You can do it for your entire life. And anybody can do it. Truly, anybody can do this. Yeah, I'd like to just, yeah, I'm sorry, Jason. I just wanted a quick follow up on that because the Kuwaiti athlete you you faced off in the finals, he was 57, I believe. So that shows yes. you the life sport um, of this uh, sport. Yep, absolutely. And he he's won bronze medals in the last two Olympic games. So he's he's been to seven Olympics, and he didn't earn any medals until he was in his 50s. And that, that definitely goes to show that we have longevity in the sport. And if you keep at it, you keep working and developing and, and just trying to get better that you can come out here and succeed. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's one of the things we all love about our shooting sports and uh, you all are great ambassadors for it. So we, we appreciate what you do. Um, where would you, I know this is kind of a common question of people who win multiple championships, right? But, uh, how how would you rank this competitive experience versus the others that, that you've been to? I'm going to delineate that just a little bit from the, the competitive standpoint and the Olympic standpoint. From a competitive standpoint, this was this one was tough, and there were so many good shooters coming out this year, and as there are every year, but it just seems like the shooting sports in general are getting better and better and better uh, the athletes that are coming in are getting better that is and it's become more of a professional sport now people are doing this for a living solely around the entire world and that's really been a you've always had a few here and there but almost everybody that was competing at the olympic games this time this is what they do so that shows you the competitive level of things now we're not we're not having other jobs and, and going out there and doing this and on the weekends that's you know, which that's perfectly fine that's that's what started us all you know as as this is our hobby but when you want to get into the, the high level competing sports aspect of it it takes a lot of focus and it takes a lot of preparation and to to be able to come out and compete with these guys that are doing it every single day and they're getting paid to do it it's hard to do that without doing it yourself too. So from a competitive standpoint, it's probably the hardest one I've ever competed in. From an Olympic standpoint, the people were great, but it was just a totally different experience because of all the, the regulations due to COVID. Now, we weren't allowed to have any family there. We weren't allowed to have any spectators. 
So that changed the whole feel and dynamic of what the Olympics really are. But with all that said, I'm just happy that they had it. All the Japanese people that we met there were ecstatic to have us. And they, they were so kind. Um, they took their time to, to help us in any way they possibly could. These are the, the uh, volunteers that were there. There, were, there was a bunch of them. And with all of that, it was really nice to get to, to talk to them. Uh, I, I met a lot of them. So uh, funny, funny story. When we checked in our guns, the, obviously there's a bunch of, of Japanese people there. And there's only a couple of them that spoke English. Well, one of the older gentlemen came out and said, oh, you're, you're Vincent Hancock, right? Yes, sir. And he said, oh, we, it's, a, it's a very big honor for us to have you here. All of our Japanese skeet shooters watch you, and they all shoot. They all bought and have the same gun that you shoot. I'm like, really? They, they all have uh, like a Beretta? He said, yes. If they, if they don't have the Beretta DT-11 Black, they have the DT-11 or they have the 694, but all in 30-inch barrels because they watch your videos on social media and i'm like okay cool. well that's pretty cool that means that my social media is working people are <laughs> yeah as i say i'm sure beretta but, likes that <laughs> yeah they, they were pretty happy about that and uh so it was just a really neat experience to get to see that and to get to, to interact with those people to get to, to know that there's so many people there in japan that shoot i didn't know that and they said, yeah, oh, yes, their, their nationals is very big. They have a lot of people that are interested in it, They're, and it's growing, too. Uh, so that's a great thing. But one of the things you guys will like is they were trying everything they could to get some federal hulls because they just wanted to, they wanted to have some of the federal hulls to keep as uh, kind of like little gifts, I guess, if you will. So we made sure that uh, instead of throwing them in the buckets, they're like, just throw them off to the side a little bit and we'll come and pick them up later. <laughs> That's so I'm like, awesome. all right. So I kind of like popped a few over off the edge a little bit further <laughs> so they can come back and pick them up. They were happy about that. Uh, everybody loves <laughs> a souvenir, right? Yep. Especially a paper haul. That's right. <laughs> so you, you mentioned it's, you know, a little different experience with, with the COVID and the setting. Like, did you, did you attend the opening ceremony? I did. Yes. Uh, that one was very different. Uh, I've, I've attended every opening ceremony uh, for all four Olympic games that I've gone to. And this one was obviously there was no fans. They were walking into an empty stadium, uh, which was just really, really strange. And we had a bunch of cameras around us, sure, but it was not the same as walking into a stadium full of you know 80,000 screaming fans chanting USA. Was it like, did they pipe in noise like the NFL or was it just a quiet stadium with the music playing? Yeah, it was pretty quiet. Really? Outside of the announcing and outside of the athletes kind of whooping and hollering a little bit. And there was some of the volunteers at the stadium were there. I mean, there may have been a thousand people in the stands, maybe, but that was it. Well, Vincent, with uh, three gold medals now, uh, what are you doing with the current medal? And I'm guessing one of the things you have to do is expand your trophy case. <laughs> Well, I've been doing a lot of different events for people, uh, doing different media engagements as well. So they've they've been in the in their little carrying cases that I have for them, making the making the rounds. A lot of times they're in my backpack or anything like that. When I'm home, right now they're just sitting in my sock drawer, and whenever everything calms down, they'll they'll just end up going back into the safe. And those ones I I try to keep wrapped up pretty good. And one of these days I'll get around to actually getting a really nice trophy case made for them and and have them all hung up. Cool. So 
when you're done with its federal season podcast, uh, what what's next on the schedule for for Vincent Hancock? Uh, well, today I'm going to go straight from here to go practice and then go to the gym. No but rest. I've got uh, I've got a few more events coming up. I've, I'm going to be next weekend. I'll actually be in Rhode Island at an event. I'm actually going to with Federal, and it's uh, I can't. Oh my goodness, I'm going to forget right now exactly what it is. I'm drawing a total blank. But going up there for that one, and then about three weeks later, I will be traveling to Cyprus for the President's Cup, which is formerly known as the World Cup Finals. It's the top 12 athletes of each year get together and have a, a very small, close-knit competition between each other. And you know, that, that one's a pretty fun one to go to because, you know, it's literally the best of the best of that year that are going there competing. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. And then starting off in January, we'll have a selection match right before SHOT Show uh, to help start this, start the decision process of who's going to be on the 2022 World Championship team. Well, I, I guess that probably answers our next question then is, will we see you in Paris for a fourth? <laughs> that That is absolutely my intention, yes. <laughs> it's never an easy thing to make the U.S. team because we've got a lot of great shooters, but I'm going to continue my be- to continue to, to do my best and to you know, excel and, and succeed and hopefully continue to make teams. Fantastic. Well, Vincent, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for representing Federal, for representing our sport. And, um, you know, from all the employees here at Federal, there's 1,500 of us. Um, a sincere congratulations and thank you. Well, thank you guys so much. I, I couldn't, I honestly couldn't do it without y'all's support. Um, I, I love the, the Federal ammunition. I love the Federal team and, and everything you guys do. So thank you very, very much for making this opportunity uh, a, a real thing for me. Meet the industry's widest variety of game-changing ammunition. However you shoot, and whatever you hunt, fortune favors the prepared. And nothing prepares you better than Federal Premium. It's a gold standard advantage delivered directly from the experts in premium ammunition. Find your Federal Premium Advantage today. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and our technology segment, Tech Talk. Well, Dan, it's time to talk products. You know, thanks for for being on the show today. Um, There's an exciting new launch coming up. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, a new product in a a target load realm, kind of fitting, being that we're just talking to Vincent. But it's called High Overall, and it's a competition target load. So we're talking traps, skeets, boarding clays, across the board, any shooting discipline you're going for. It's pretty pretty exciting for us. You know, Federal's coming up on 100 years, and and this is like like a new era for us in terms of shot shell design and and the approach we took going after this one. Awesome. So, I mean, Federal continues to be focused on innovation, and, you know, I, I think competition shooting is one area where we've had a great product line we've got great history but it was time to bring out something new right yeah we we've always you know and it's to kind of boil it down to the details is federal's known for having you know what's we call a straight wall hull so if you look down at the base if you were to cut it in half it forms almost a 90 degree angle other holes on the market, similar to like the Remington STS, the Winchester AA, they have a tapered hole. And, it, and it's pretty subtle. The shooter doesn't notice that difference. But if you're a reloader, you do notice that difference because it affects the type of wads you use. And if on your reloading bench, it affects the setup you have. 
So federal, by going down this avenue of going into a tapered wall hole, really expands the amount of wads that can be used to reload our holes and makes us a little more appealing to some of the reloaders out there because you're kind of in either camp. You're either shooting the straight wall federal hole or you're using some of the other competitions. So this is our first foray foray into a, a tapered wall hole. So what what other components are different on this this high overall shell? So it's a it's a brass head, and brass heads are really good for resizing when you reload. But you know, shot shells, especially some of these high end guns, have really tight chambers, and brass is pretty forgiving. So it shoots, it it expands, and then it retracts. And sometimes in lower end products, you'll see like brass plated steel, which helps get the cost down. But it doesn't have as much forgiveness, especially in tight chambers, like I mentioned. Secondly, is we developed a brand new wad called the Podium Wad, which is a pretty fantastic wad in and of itself. It's very soft shooting, which everyone's looking for. And, you know, if you just go out and shoot 25 rounds of trap, you don't really notice felt recoil. But if you're like Vincent Hancock and you're putting in how many rounds a day practice plus how many you're going to compete with, or if you're at the Grand American and you're shooting, you know, every, every event all around, that's like 2,000 rounds over the course of a week. That really starts to add up. So any little bit of recoil reduction we can build into the system, we did. And on the podium, it's been very effective at that. Also, a little less recoil helps you get back on target a little quicker. So brand new wad design and then really consistent, you know, like whether you're shooting a one ounce 1290 or an ounce and an eighth 1200, you know, that wad has been very forgiving and very, you know, over across a different, you know, whether one ounce, one ounce and an eighth or different velocity payloads as well. What about the shot? So, yeah, shot's always important. And uh, it's the same shot that Federals always use, our premium shot. It's what we put in the Olympic loads for this year. And that's a 5% antimony, and we really have a, a high roundness spec on that as well. So antimony is going to give you, you know, it makes the shot harder. And it, you know, so that helps by crushing the clay itself. But it also helps by there's less deformation at the back. You know, if you think of like a shot shell goes off and everything gets shoved to the back of the shell as it's being pushed out. And that can flatten out some of that shot in the back. And if it starts to flatten out, it's now it's out of round. And that's where your flyers are going to come from in your pattern. So the, the more we can keep it round, the more consistent type pattern we can, we can have. So, you know, Federal, obviously, Vincent shoots our, our special Olympic load made for just them um, with the paper hull. Who is this load designed for? Yeah. So typically, you know, the high end, you know, on a premium target load like this, a lot of people are looking for is your people your high-end competitors, you know, like your Vincent Hancocks are obviously at the top of the, at the podium, but your handicapped trap shooters, your people looking for that little extra edge, that, that's one. But it really is a load for everybody. You know, we're putting our best foot forward in this in terms of the best shot, the best wad, the best hull, you know, so if you're looking for a little bit more quality over like what we say, we're a top gun, which is a little more mass produced, it's going to run a lot, we're going to run a lot more volume at one time versus this, this is going to get more quality checks along the way. So it's really for someone who's looking for that little extra edge and a little bit more confidence that we're putting everything we can into the best load that's out there. The other category is the reloader. You know, if you're looking to get multiple loads out of it, we know that shooting isn't always the, you know, it's not an inexpensive sport and you can get a lot of life out of a hole and cook up your own loads and really cater to your shooting style with what you're, what you're looking for. You, so you're going to get several reloads out of this HOA hole. Trap and the Grand American, Grand American and all of the satellite shoots are, are huge but another area we've seen a ton of growth is in sporting clays it seems to really be taking off and there's a huge following so we introduced this load at at the minnesota state sporting clays shoot what what kind of feedback are you hearing from from shooters you know sporting clays trap uh, across the board over and over it's 
hits clays hard. I mean, I've heard that over and over from people. And I think that's part of like, we're getting the consistent pattern out of the wad. Um, but it's just that, that perception, you know, I, I, part of my perception, what I heard a lot of people, it was a nice sunny event. Well, well, we, we, we bought, we beat some rain, but it was sunny. Most of the time you open the box up and the holes are absolutely beautiful. They're like a red gold metallic color. And I think when you see something that looks premium like that, that brings a lot of confidence to you as the shooter as well. So we heard it looks really good, crushes, clays hard and really soft shooting. And I think you put all that together. Like if we do our part, you know, if you do your part as a shooting system, we know that we've done our part for the ammo. If you put those two together, you're unstoppable out there. The other thing is you and the team really listened to the shooters from all disciplines and said, all right, what does it take for you to win in this game? What loads do you want? So talk, talk about how we're going to roll out the products and which loads are going to be available. Yeah, so we've a lot of feedback over the years. You know, the one ounce twelve ninety has been, you know, Derek Mine, one of our shooters, shoots that. He won the we won the nationals last year with it. So that's going to be one of the first loads that we start shipping, and we'll have that in various shot sizes as well. But the key loads, like the handicap trap, but something different for federal is we've gone from twelve thirty five velocity up to twelve fifty, which seems you know pretty you know in terms of a a ballistics, it's it's a minor change, but it was big feedback. We were on the lighter side of the handicap loads that were out on the market. So we're really going to focus on kind of those high-end loads that seem the most popular. We've always done well in handicap trap sales. So we'll we'll focus on the the one ounce or the ounce and an A1250, one ounce 1290, and then everything will follow from there. The three dram ounce and an A1200, the uh, two and three quarter dram ounce and an A1145, and then we'll have the one ounce 1250, and then we'll kind of round it all out with like the 24 gram for like that bunker trap in international competitions. And then sub-gauge? Sub-gauge, we're planning on 2022. So we're still looking at some wad designs and some internal capabilities on that. But our plan is to have a full line across the board. Uh, one of Some of the feedback that we've always got is if you're going to shoot skeet all around or if you're going to shoot sporting clays all around and you're shooting all gauges, they want to shoot the same brand. And we've really kind of had a sporadic offering. And never this will be the most comprehensive target lineup we've ever offered from Federal. Fantastic. I know we've all had a chance to try it. We love it. The shooters we've talked to love it. We, in fact, uh, at the state shoot here, gave everybody who registered for the shoot a free box of HOA to try it out. So it was really fantastic, um, and we look forward to seeing it coming up here at the National Sporting Clay uh, Tournament down in Texas. Yeah, and so we're, we'll have some product down there. Um, I think we're offering it to the shooters down there, if I'm not mistaken. And then our plan here is to internally be production up and running by mid mid November, so that we're starting to ship loads in time for next spring next spring shooting seasons. Awesome. Well, we look forward to seeing high overall at the top of the podium <laughs> next year. I see what Thanks. you did there. Yeah, you like that. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. You bet. Thank you. There's a time and a place for every season. This is that time, and these are those special places. When preparation gives way to anticipation, rituals, and traditions. Friends, family, forever. This is what you live for. It's time to celebrate the annual tradition like no other. It's federal season. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and the News and Notes segment. The 2021 
National Sporting Clays Championship will be held at the National Shooting Sports Complex in San Antonio, Texas on October 22nd through the 31st. This will be another chance to come meet our team and check out for yourself the new high overall load. Drop by the Federal Booth to talk to our experts about the features and benefits of HOA. In other news, tune in to Thursday nights on Outdoor Channel as Federal Premium's Terminal Ascent proudly presents the programming for hunters looking for aspirational and educational content on the premier channel for hunting and shooting. If you like the It's Federal Season podcast, be sure to let us know by filling out a rating and review on iTunes. And remember, for us, it's always in season. It's Federal Season.